people who have cancer and have high muscle mass live longer. People who have kidney failure and have high muscle mass live longer. So, and the science is behind it is very strong. So you're preparing yourself for the type of body you want, but you're also protecting yourself from the things that can happen, you know. So being in your best shape, being in your best health. Are you interested in improving your health and fitness? I know you are. So I made a podcast all about transforming your life with a changed mindset, good nutrition, and effective exercise. Head to supremeholisticfitness.com to find out more. Trust me, it's life-changing. Welcome everyone to the Supreme Holistic Fitness Podcast. And I've got a special guest for you. So I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Colin Flavony. And let me just read you a little bit about his bio. Colin is an expert physiology, toxicology, pharmacology, cancer metabolism, and immune oncology. He has garnered diverse and extensive experience as a leader of preclinical research projects in academia and the pharmaceutical industry. He's a principal scientist and combined with a background as an NIH-funded assistant professor, brings unique insights to elite project teams. He has assisted in the career development of undergraduate, graduate, and postdoctoral trainees. He continues to leverage his experience to lead a talented translational team focused on developing life-saving therapies. Welcome to the show, Dr. Colin Flavony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to kind of, to kind of reconnect with you. We don't get to see each other often enough, but I always, yeah. I always follow you on Instagram. Yeah, it really is a pleasure reconnecting with you. I know you're doing pretty big things out there. Um, you're in St. Louis. Is it St. Louis? I'm currently in San Diego, California. Okay, San Diego, California. I'm familiar with the East Coast. Um, mm -hmm. California is in, it's in the West Coast. Um, not too familiar with that area. Yeah, I think it, I think it's uh it, it's so far that most people don't venture all the way out here, uh, especially if you're from the Caribbean. But yeah, the West Coast, known for its nice weather, you know, most days of sunshine, and particularly no winter, which is something I'm glad to avoid. Yeah, got you, got you. But most importantly, is a is kind of a biotech hub here, so there's a lot of lots of strong, intelligent minds working together in different companies in the area. So. Got you. And you just add to one of the intelligent minds. And I know I read quite a few big words um, <laughs> when I read your bio. And some of them I did not even know. But what we're going to be focusing, based on your extensive background, you know, as we were talking before we started, physiology and myself being a fitness coach, I'm always interested in learning more about a human body performance, optimum function, which of course, you know, would include weight loss, your body's ability to lose weight and muscle, I believe is a big part of it, right? So we are going to be, you know, just focusing mainly on the muscle aspect and let's get started. So Colin, um, 
what got you started along this journey? I know you mentioned that you did a lot of studies or research on muscle. Um, what got you started along that journey? Well, I mean, ideally, I've always been a firm believer in uh, the power of exercise, right? Uh, and it turns out that one of the I was looking at a particular type of protein that turned out to, to be able to affect muscle. So, you know, you remove this gene in a mouse and the mouse had uh, increased ability, increased fitness, uh, but also had uh, increased muscle loss and other things. So the, the, the gene I'm talking about in particular is, uh, is called Reverb. Uh, the name doesn't really reflect its function, but uh, it's known to regulate our sleep-wake cycles, but it also has a role in regulating how much muscle we build and how our muscle functions. And we were curious as to how we can manipulate that gene with the drugs to see if we can help accelerate muscle repair. And in, in the particular studies we performed, we are interested in seeing if we could reduce uh, the symptoms of muscular dystrophy. Uh, we also looked at uh, injury model as well, where you know we introduce injury into the mus muscle and, and track it over time to see how fast the muscle it repairs itself. And what we found is uh, that using a drug that kind of inhibits the activity of this protein, it accelerates uh, muscle repair. And we were able to publish a few journal articles with big words in it. Uh, what was unique about that as well as I think up, up until that time, we, no one really knew how it affected muscle mass overall and metabolism. And we, we, we learned some interesting things. So it, it was some, it kind of aligned two worlds for me. You know, I was working in the, in biology and was always a fan of sports and fitness. And so I, having the opportunity to kind of analyze uh, muscle regeneration was, was pretty exciting for me. Uh, I can imagine. And muscle regeneration. Um, I know we spoke a little bit about that earlier. Um, what exactly is muscle regeneration? Okay, so the muscle is one of the most unique organs in the body, right? It's technically the largest organ if you consider it one entity. And one of the features it has is the ability to replenish itself. Uh, so yeah, and you, you see the benefits in the real world setting, you know, when you exercise and you're sore and you, know, you, cre you, you create these small tears in muscle and that gets repaired over time. And then everything the body builds, it builds back better. So when you have these small tears, it builds back bigger, stronger muscle, especially if you're, you're doing it through resistance training. On the other side of that, if you get injured, you know, you eventually will regain the function of that muscle if it's partially torn. If it's fully torn and you get surgery, the muscle would repair itself as well. So it has an amazing ability to replenish itself. And even when you, when you don't think about it as well, if, if, we're, uh, you know, if we're sedentary, we tend to lose muscle. It's a slightly different process, but it's, it's always changing and, and growing. And if, you know, if we feed our muscle and we, we utilize it, it will continue to grow. Uh, so there aren't any other organs in the body with that kind of ability. Uh, you know, and that's on the scale that muscle is capable of it. You know, skin is an example. The liver also can regenerate quite well. 
but muscle is, is unique in the sense that it is built to repair itself. Uh, so muscle regeneration refers to the process through which, you know, full mature muscle that's damaged is, is replaced or repaired. Uh, and it, it has it is a unique process led by a, a specific type of cell. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but there, there are these cells in your body called satellite cells that eventually lead to form muscle cells, which are the basic units of muscles called myoblasts that eventually form uh, myotubes, which are the long striated muscles you see, striated units you see in muscle, if you were to look at muscle under a microscope. Uh, and you know, they make up the muscle fibers, et cetera, when you, you, that you would observe in a highly defined bodybuilder or, or athlete. Uh, so interestingly enough, uh, we always knew muscle was able to regenerate itself, but sometimes the speed of regeneration is is a little bit slow as we get older, the ability to regenerate also uh, slows down. But you know, if you have a really uh, horrific injury, uh, it, is, it takes a lot longer. And so there's a lot of effort to, to try to accelerate that process. And particularly for athletes, you know, if you can reduce an athlete's uh, time away from the game from you know, five months to three months, that makes a huge difference. Uh, in addition to just improving their life and welfare, if you've, if you, you know, torn a muscle and you can't walk, you can't spend time with your kids uh, the same way you'd like, you can't you know, walk your dog the same way you'd like. So it also improves their quality of life as well if you can help get them back to where they need to be. Uh, so, you know, another interesting area too that I've worked with uh, some of the experts in the field is uh, people in the military, you know, uh, modern warfare, there's a lot of injuries due to explosives. Uh, and so I've collaborated with people who deal with patients that have something called volumetric muscle loss, where huge chunks of muscle have been lost from explosive injuries. And so, you know, there's a lot of efforts to try to restore these, you know, these patients to, to normal health, because when you lose that amount of muscle, is very difficult to, to, to recover. And in most cases, the muscle doesn't fully regenerate. So that, you know, these explosive injuries represent the limit of the, of the body's ability to replenish muscle. But we, we refuse to accept that and you know, are still working on ways to try to improve on it. And one of the things we discovered is by targeting one of the receptors I was interested in, we were able to kind of improve recovery. You know? A lot of things happen when you have those types of injuries, inflammation being one of them. Uh, and without controlling inflammation, the injury can become worse. You, you can have loss of the limb, limb function, etc. So we, we really do uh, want to find ways to help prevent brave soldiers that put themselves in harm's way, uh, prevent them from losing the quality of life after they've served and experienced you know, traumatic injury. So, you know, it, regeneration is, is the key word to most muscle researchers because it's really just trying to harness the muscle's natural ability to repair itself and to utilize that to improve the health of people. Uh, Correct. So you mentioned something, you know, as you get older, mm -hmm. the body's ability to regenerate you know, the muscle, it tends to decline, right? Mm -hmm. What would happen, let's say somebody 
they work out maybe in their 30s going into their 40s and their 50s to keep that rhythm going they work out consistently would their the body's ability to regenerate itself um be a bit higher in terms of regeneration of the muscle with for someone who's active yes so you know the process of where you lose muscle as you age is called uh, sarcopenia it's once again it's a big word for a, a, a simple concept where you you lose you lose what you don't use uh Correct. and a lot of people tend to become more sedentary as they get older you know aches and pains last longer it's harder to get out of bed you know but there's numerous amount of evidence that suggests that resistance training exercise and resistance training specifically uh not just running or, or other things which are also very beneficial for you uh in terms of your cardiovascular health but you know, resistance training specifically helps reduce that decline it you know if there's anything any such thing as a, a fountain of youth it is resistance training uh and uh i find it fascinating that <clears throat> You know, you see these these pro these products and all these things to remove wrinkles and whatever. But consistent resistance training, treating your proper nutrition, still is the best way to slow this process of sarcopenia. Now, you don't bring you don't necessarily bring it down to zero. You know, an example would be look at Arnold Schwarzenegger in his twenties. Correct. Look at him now, but he's way more vibrant and active than a, a person who was sedentary at that age. Uh, and you you see it with you know a lot of uh, athletes and actors now, and it's, it's becoming quite commonplace to see people and say, "Well, how would that person look so young?" And I guarantee you, it's because they work out. You know, that's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Everything else is you know yeah we all have our genetics, and you know you might have injuries that limit your ability to do certain things, but. You know, and it, you you still have the opportunity to, to exercise in a way that's safe, and that will help you, you know, counteract the, this these effects of aging. And so, to circle back to the whole idea of sarcopenia and how it leads to muscle loss, another way this happens at a faster pace is if you're sedentary. You know, if you spend a lot of time sitting all day, which most of us who have office jobs do, uh, you lose muscle in a matter of four hours you lose muscle mass uh, wow. from just sitting down in your legs particularly and you know you as a physical trainer a personal trainer knows that uh you know muscles in your back and, and legs tend to you know be under stress sitting in awkward positions all day and so someone who is sedentary at age 70 who was sedentary all their life is going to have a lot tougher time standing up, sitting down, walking than someone who at least gets regular exercise three to four times a week and with some cardio sprinkled in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I try to tell it to everyone. Some people don't listen, but, uh, you know, the, the only fountain of youth I have found is, is regular. <laughs> I was actually talking to someone today and she said she's given up on trying to lose weight you know mm -hmm. and what happens is a person focuses so much on trying to lose weight through exercise through diet that they forget about all the other benefits 
you know mm-hmm. and all i just need to do is remember there are other benefits to exercise you mentioned cardiovascular health mm-hmm. building muscle you'll be able to maintain your muscle mass as you get older so instead of focusing on losing weight let's focus on the other benefits and as you stay consistent you're going to be able to figure out some things and your weight will slowly go down because it's mm-hmm. a lifestyle it's not something that you're going to start and then stop because what you did what you did in the past isn't going to necessarily sustain you in the future so it's just mm-hmm. something you're just going to have to be doing now i remember when i there's a particular athlete he had gotten injured um i think it may have been derrick rose or one of these nba athletes because i follow them a lot and they get injured and within a few weeks they start working out again they start their rehab so they're not a hundred percent healed so while some people may support you know wait until you don't feel any pain to start working out because even myself i tore my acl many years ago and i haven't gotten it repaired as yet but mm. i manage it i maintain it and i don't have any issues i work on my hamstring to help support my knee i do different things but because i'm not actively playing sports i don't have to really necessarily get it um taken care of but that would be at some point in time in the future mm-hmm. but they, these athletes they do rehab they do all these things even while they are still slightly injured um so is it then it may be a good thing you know you may be injured you may have some type of muscle injury maybe they may have torn partially torn a muscle but after a few weeks they start working out they start doing exercise on it so is it beneficial to do exercises even when you're injured yeah so you know i'm a big fan of listening to your body but you have to listen to what it's saying uh so the you know the old the, or the common belief is yeah you injured it you need to rest it until you feel no pain but the key thing to remember here is that if you don't use it you lose it and the other thing i mentioned is that you want to you want your body rebuilds it builds back stronger so the science is there and it, it's well understood that yes in the early stage of the injury you need to rest and when i talk about early stage I'm talking about a week or two so that the early healing process can begin you know blood vessels repair you get swelling to go down and you know the chaos of the injury kind of subsides but then you have to take you have to jump on the regeneration part and interestingly enough it you know all the, the the things that lead to an injury last in forever you know you probably know people like boy my ankle is pressurable and it you know Correct. just not feeling better, you know because they never they did the rest part they did the ice part but then they didn't do the recovery and regeneration part and you have to focus in now on because most of these injuries you experience in sports are due to mechanical deficiencies and you know i'm not a kinesiologist or a physical uh, therapist so you know go out and do your research <laughs> those who are listening but uh the key the key idea here is that the injury was caused by something unless you know this is a uh some kind of catastrophic event the injury was caused by something and in order to rebuild that muscle you need to strengthen that joint strengthen that limb 
you know, strengthening muscles around the injury so that, you know, you prevent it from happening or at least get added protection to that area. And, you know, ACL is a prime example. I mean, ACL used to be career-ending injuries uh, mm-hmm. just as little as 25, 30 years ago. But now, you know, people are even beginning training before the surgery uh, to strengthen the muscle area. And then you, you perform the surgery, you take a break, and you get right back at it again. And I, I'm sure you're aware that ACL training, you know, recovery training is very difficult. I mean, it, it opened my eyes into how deficient my workouts were. And I've never injured an ACL. I've, I've worked, uh, I've had friends that have had the injury and I've joined them in their workouts. And it makes you, it makes you realize how, you know, the right types of exercise can protect you from this. And it changed my, my outlook altogether. But, you know, getting in early and dealing with the injury in a positive way by trying to help your body heal through exercise is, is very, very important. And it, it goes for both athletes and regular people you know, if you don't want that ache and pain you need to get in the gym you need to do your wall sits you need to do whatever you know your planks or your squats or whatever to stabilize that joint and work on it i mean i've had shoulder injuries that take a long while because you rest it you know and, but it's only when you get back into active training uh and start focusing on that and improving the muscle mass in that area the joint starts to function more properly, you you reduce inflammation, you reduce all these things that cause you pain. And it's not, you know, you don't want scar tissue to develop either, which can happen if, you know, you rest on them for too long. And scar tissue is very difficult to remove. Uh, So, you know, it's kind of a long way to, 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 long way to think about it, but the idea here is you have to get back in, into using your limbs the way they're meant to be used. And one of the key ways to do that safely is through uh, physical therapy and then, you know, guided training to help strengthen that limb or, or joint. Wow, you mentioned something. So you mentioned there are people who they get like an ankle injury and because they never did anything, all they did was rest. Mm-hmm. It still lingers. Mm-hmm. So part of the whole process of being healed is actually using what you have and not just sitting down on it mm-hmm. yeah i mean the the the, the um, your body's immediate response to, to an injury is all right let round up the troops and take care of business so you know there's a lot of activity that happens which is what causes the swelling and all of that but that only needs to happen for about the first 24 hours and even so you know, you still have, you still want to use ice and other things to reduce the swelling because, you know, it, your body can sometimes go out of control in terms of its response to injury. And once that period is over, time to start getting your flexibility back. You know, and once again, you listen to your body. You don't grab your ankle and rough it up, but you could at least, you know, do some exercises. You point your toes. You you, know, you, you try to rotate your ankle and you. You try to return to the, the range of motion that you had before. Because if you take just a healthy ankle and don't move it for two weeks, that ankle is going to be very stiff without having an injury. Because once again, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, correct. But it's become less flexible. 
you know, you might even start seeing fluid buildup and other things in, in that organ because your body is confused. Well, why isn't this limb moving? So it probably is useless. And it starts treating it like it's useless. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> and that's the, that's the one key, key aspect of physiology that I find is very beautiful in that you have a limited amount of resources. You know, and by resources, I mean, you know, you're taking a certain number of calories a day. Some of us take in too much, of much. course. Correct. Uh, you're taking a certain amount of calories today and your body, your, your body needs to manage it. So one of the reasons why we lose muscle so quickly is that muscle is what you call an energy expensive organ and that it needs a lot of readily available energy in order to function. Correct. If you're not using it, it will, your body will say, well, let's back up shop. We, we don't need, we don't need this bicep. We don't need this thigh. Let's back up shop and channel these resources into something else, or even just store it, you know? Uh, it's one thing people don't even know, like, you know, storage, uh, breakdown of fat actually can happen after breakdown of muscle. You know, it, <laughs> your body tends to say, well, muscle is very expensive. So it's like, it's like if, you, if you lose your job, right? Mm -hmm. What the first thing you do is cut out the expensive things in your life. You're not gonna go out to dinner. You're not gonna spend money on a vacation. You know, muscle is a luxury uh, and you want to try to save as much as you can, which is fat. So, you know, if you starve yourself, which is why starvation diets don't work. And I'm not talking about uh, intermittent fasting. That's a completely different, different. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but a starvation diet where you're, you know, you're starving yourself for long periods of time where you're not giving yourself enough nutrition, your body will break down muscle first because muscle is expensive. If you don't have energy, why waste energy on muscle that's not being used? But on the flip side, if you're using it, your body notices, well, wow, we have a lot of activity going on in that bicep. There's a little bit of muscle damage. We need to put our resources towards that. And, you know, we have, we have this complex, beautiful physiological system that is able to both detect where there's a need and address the need. And you, you as an individual has to tell your body where you want the need. So if that means you want to have a ripped six pack, you know, of course there are limitations for most of us to getting that. Correct. But you know, you put the, you put the energy and you, and you target the energy and resources in that area and your body will, will follow suit. Uh, and you know, if you want to, the same way, if you want to build a bicep or if you want to have a stronger back, you know, all these things come into play. Uh, through the you know the natural beautiful system that we have, which is you know what what do we need and how do we address that need? And your body is very in tune to that. So I always say to people, how your body performs. And once again, I'm not saying about everybody, but how you, how your body performs for the everyday person is really a reflection reflection of how much effort you put into it, and you know how you take care of yourself nutritionally, etc. And it might be a surprise, but you know, the peak behind the curtain is that, yeah, because your, your your body is built in a way to respond to your needs. And if your desires are to be healthy and strong, it will respond in that way because you're treated the right way. And, you know, you build muscle, you lose fat, you, you'll have a stronger back, you'll have a stronger core, and you, you know, your posture will improve, back pain will, will go away. And, you know, apart from some extreme circumstances, you know, the average person, these things are very, very beneficial. And, I mean, I don't even have to name any studies. There's thousands of them that demonstrate that. 
All right. You mentioned, you know, your muscle uses um, energy. And you mm -hmm. mentioned a whole lot of info, info there in terms of how our body is com actually are complex. It's complex and it demands um, different things at different times. If it doesn't get it, it adjusts, which really in itself is amazing. A lot of people, the average person does not know this. Um, but the muscle, it's a metabolic, metabolically active um, tissue. In other words, it uses a lot of energy. And one of the things that I do with clients who come to me, especially when they want to lose weight, is to work on building muscle right so within a training program would be days where they do resistance training when we say the muscle is metabolically active what do we mean by that okay so this the muscle has many ways that it uses energy right uh one of the key ways and one of the ways we notice most of all is the ability to move so you know if you want to pick up a cup a coffee engaging muscles in that process and that requires energy so you know at the, at the most simplest level you know you have these fibers in your muscle that need to move closer to each other uh, you know in order to shorten the muscle so when you lift up a cup you're shortening the muscle and that requires energy you know? uh, if if you read around and you're more interested in the topic the the key energy currency in your body is, is a molecule called atp I'm not going to say what it is, <laughs> you know, just look up right. ATP. ATP yeah. <laughs> I don't want to put people to sleep, but that, that is a very, uh, it's one of the most important uh, sources of energy. And in addition to that, I'm sure people have heard in the biology class about the mitochondria. So you need, you have energy for move, muscle movement, and you also have energy that just is required for, for warming your body. So one of the other functions of muscle is, is to help keep you warm. It's a process called shivering thermogenesis. Uh, in addition to, to those two things, muscle needs uh, energy just, just to maintain the proteins in muscle. You know, proteins come from your diet, but it also requires energy to build these, these, these proteins up in, in your muscle and also to, to have these cells that eventually divide to form your muscle functioning properly. And all those things require energy in multiple steps. Uh, so your, your muscle is diverse in that way in that it's metabolically active in, in three essential ways. The one that consumes the most energy is, is the movement of the muscle and the energy that goes into powering mitochondria. So in addition to lifting, for example, if you're running for a long distance, you have you have two major types of muscle in your body, and it might sound like they're separate, but they're not, they're, in most cases, all you, you have different types of fibers that have specialized functions. But you have oxidative muscle, and you have what's called glycolytic muscle, and both require energy in the form of ATP. And oxidative muscle can just function for a longer period of time because it has um, a larger number of mitochondria, which are kind of like the energy banks in a cell in that they, they churn out ATP for the muscle to use. And your glycolytic muscle has less mitochondria, uh, but it still utilizes ATP to move the fibers and to function. So uh, I like to use the metaphor of, uh, well, I use the analogy of a, a marathoner versus a bodybuilder. 
you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger never won a marathon and probably would have never won a marathon. But, you know, the fastest Nigerian marathoner, body type is very different from him. And they both have, you know, biases towards two different types of muscles. So when you think about the oxidative muscle that has a lot of mitochondria, think about marathoner. And when you're talking about highly glycolytic muscle, you're talking about a bodybuilder or, uh, or a heavy lifter, you know, Olympic deadlifter or, you know, uh, uh, Olympic, Olympic weightlift. So, uh, and that that kind of represents the two extremes in two of the three ways that uh, muscle utilizes energy. Uh, so, and compared that to say the liver, uh, where the primary use of energy would would be to just maintain cells and to perform some of the activities it, the liver performs, similar to purifying the blood, etc. So, you know, there are actually two really highly metabolic organs in your body. Number one is the brain, which actually consumes the vast majority of the energy we, 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 we take every day. And this close second is, is muscle. Wow. So it, it really is true because a lot of people, they... They have to realize that it's not only about cardio, but it's also about building muscle to help them not only to lose weight, but just in life on the whole. Um, you really broke that down good in terms of oxidative and um, it's glycolytic. Glycolytic, yes. And then there's, I know there's also the fast twitch and the slow twitch fibers as well. And the reason, I believe it's the reason why some people are able to run faster and some people are stronger. Maybe they their body type leans to more of one instead of the other. Yeah, I mean that that's that's especially true. So you know, one of the most interesting books I ever read was called The Sports Gene. So I'd recommend it for anyone who's interested in in how genetics and uh, you know whatever part of the genetic genetic spectrum you fall under, you you're given certain gifts and someone who has a large amount of uh, fast twitch muscle, which you see in a lot of athletes that play like football, both American and international, uh, basketball, et cetera. You know, you have these fast twitch muscles, which gives you the quickness. Uh, and then, you know, the, the more, so that they're, they're like three major muscle types in humans, you know, it differs depending. Uh, you can have slow twitch muscle, which helps us do things over long distances. And strangely enough, humans are one of the few mammals that have the ability to run really long distances. We might, we definitely not the fastest, but we can, we're, we can run longer than almost any other major large mammal in, on the earth, which was an advantage for us because when we hunt in animals, we just run after them until they get tired. Uh, the other type of uh, muscle that exists are you have uh, so these just just to circle back the slow twitch muscle tends to use a lot of oxygen all right fast twitch muscles tend to use tend to, to to not use a lot of oxygen but still utilizes a lot of what i mentioned earlier atp atp correct and it, so it uses atp without needing mitochondria to produce the atp now as a consequence because it needs it is it, like a quick 
a quick solution to, to a problem, right? You need to get from point A to B, you know, if somebody chase you, you know, or if a dog, you know, get out and start chasing you and you're running for your life, you could probably do that for 10, maybe 20 seconds until you, you know, until you get tired. Adrenaline might even let you run for 30 seconds, <laughs> the average person. Uh, and so, you know, these types of fibers come into play. And as I said, they're not necessarily separate things. So some, uh, if you look at the leg of a sprinter, he will still have, you know, slow twitch muscles in there. It's just that he will have a, a larger amount of fast twitch muscles. And also, there are different subtypes of fast twitch. So not all fast twitch muscles are created equal. And, you know, there's some other factors as well. And, you know, just based on how your nerves are set up, et cetera, that contribute to your ability to react quickly and to move very fast. And it, it is something that's highly prevalent in, in all track athletes is, is this type of uh, fast twitch fiber that is unique to most people who end up being highly successful in, in sports. Uh, and a lot of people of African descent actually have it. Uh, All right. You know, and, you know, we, we it's one of, the, one of the more fascinating things to talk about. And the book, The Sports Gene, kind of talks about it in the sense too that uh, you see a lot of prominent athletes coming, uh, people of African descent, because we have such a diversity. We have the marathon runners in you know, high altitude regions of Africa dominating the sport in that area. Yeah, so specifically, you know, you have, uh, as I mentioned, three types of fibers, uh, muscle fibers, uh, you know, you have fast, fast twitch, slow, slow twitch, and you have an intermediate. Um, so in black athletes, not only do they have a large amount of these fast twitch, they also have a particular type of fast twitch uh, that you know 2x and 2a. If, if you want to look up, look them up, uh, that confers their, you know allows them to move a lot faster than the average person. And you see people from West Africa and other parts of Africa as well have that gene in, in high abundance. And then on the other side of the spectrum, people from Northern Africa and Eastern Africa, such as Kenya, Ethiopia, and I'm sure if you watch the marathon race, those, those countries stand out to you because you've seen them first and second almost Correct. every time. Correct, yeah. And, you know, it's not just genetics, uh, but genetics is a major part of it. And so they tend to have uh, highly oxidative muscle, slow twitch muscle. They also have fast twitch. Uh, but they have an, I have an incredible ability to move a muscle for a long period of time. So, you, you know, you have three or four muscles in your calf and then muscles of your thigh and hamstring that drive you along when you run, right? And one of, the, one of the major muscles that allow us to run for long distances is a muscle called the soleus muscle. And that usually, if you were to dissect a human, you would see it as a big, bright, red, tiny muscle. And it helps kind of maintain the angle of your foot as you run so that you're not slamming into the ground, but it, all, it also allows us to spring from foot to foot. And in people who are marathoners, they, that, you know, that soleus muscle is huge and it's highly efficient. You know, there's other things that come into play because marathoners, cardiovascular activity, so their, their lung capacity is amazing, the ability of their blood to transport oxygen. So all these combinations in addition to them growing up in higher altitude and being surrounded by a culture of running, they, they are able to, you know, take their natural talent and then go to the 
to this net, this stage, this global stage, and dominate. And it's the same thing for the tra- for the track athletes. You know, it's not just the genetics; is the training, your attitude towards training, Correct. and your circumstances. You know, it, you know, one of the reasons why Jamaica does so well uh, on an international stage in sprinting is that, you know, it, of course, they have a they have a huge culture of track. You know, running in Jamaica is everything. But they also have an incredible ability to to get the best out of their athletes. And you know, if you ever heard Atto Bolden talk, he talks a lot about uh, that American sprinters are overtrained, or they they compete too much. And that's one of the things that Jamaicans don't do is that you know they let you grow gradually, grow into the athlete that you become. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with being able to harness the genetics that we're blessed with and. So, you know, I always, I always try to be careful when I say, well, yeah, Africans have these two types of genetics that allow them to succeed. So it's not just the average person on the street. It's a person that has this ability, also trains, and then moves towards it. Now, there's some incredible stories of people with just natural ability. Uh, Donovan Bailey being one of them. For those of you who follow track. and then Canadian, a, yeah. Yeah, you're Canadian. And then there's a Bohemian high jumper who was a basketball player. You know, and one day a high jump coach saw him dunking in school and, you know, he you know, he was in college for a basketball scholarship, thought high jumping was stupid. And the coach said, you know, come and just try, you know, let, let's see how, how, how well you can do. And this guy with no training, you know, but a positive attitude, he was, he was very arrogant to be honest. Mm-hmm. And he challenged one of the best high jumpers and he, he blew him out of the water. And the coach tell, the coach said to him, you know, you could be a world beater if you just put a little bit of effort to this. You know, and he broke the world record. He didn't even know how to high jump. He was jumping forward. He wasn't even telling <laughs> Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, and eventually he, he perfected this skill and yeah, he, he broke multiple world records. And it actually has upset a lot of people who dedicated their life to the sport. Uh, but he had the natural ability and just with a little bit of training, he was just so naturally gifted that a little bit of training, he, he was unstoppable. So, which is which is good for everyone to remember too, that, you know, yes, some of us are blessed and some of us are, you know, are less blessed in terms of yeah. athletic ability. But it doesn't mean that you cannot achieve uh, great things without training. You know? And so it's circling back to the idea. If, and if you, and your goal could be as simple as, you know, listen, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Uh, and that is achievable, you know. Uh, so to circle back to the idea, you know, that we do have different types of muscle and, you know, they're different in both the ability to move quickly or slowly and the ability to consume oxygen. And that combined into each of us in our individual ways kind of def- limits or defines our ability to run faster or run longer or jump higher. Uh, and you know, uh, 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 one last interesting thing too as well is uh, the fastest twitch muscles we have are in, the, in our eyes, you know. So, you know, you, you can scan a room very quickly. And yeah, sometimes when we work on a computer, you say, well, yeah, you have eye fatigue, but these muscles are moving nonstop. And so the eye muscles in the eye, one of the few muscles in humans that is both fast twitch and uses oxygen in a large amount. Hence, it doesn't get tired. Tired as quick, yeah. 
as quickly. So, and, 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 and there are other organisms that have that similar muscle, like a hummingbird has similar muscles to what we have in our eyes, in their, in their, in their Wing. chest, yeah. mm -hmm. to fly their wings. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating stuff that, uh, you know, and for example, a cheetah and these other animals that are known to moving really quickly, they, they will have different subtypes that make them a lot faster. And with training, you can actually increase to a certain extent uh, the capacity of the oxidative muscle. And you can also, with, with, with training and the right type of training, you, you can improve your ability to respond in time. And you can, you, you can, you can make yourself faster, but you can make yourself quicker. And the difference between quick and fast is, you know, you might be able to get all of the blocks before I, I do, but you won't beat me in a hundred meter dash because I am fast and you're quick. And you know, yeah. And so a, a good example, uh, uh, Usain Bolt, you know, they wanted him to yeah. run 400 meters, you know, because he, he didn't fit the body type for a sprinter. And, but it turns out that, you know, the early part of never ahead. <laughs> What you say is his top end speed in mm -hmm. terms of is he just slows down at a slower rate mm -hmm. than everyone else. A lot of people will look at Aris what you say in Bolt and say, Man, he's so fast and he isn't mm -hmm. he's just going, going. But everyone slows down at a certain point. It's just he slows down at a slower rate. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's able to not lose his acceleration as quickly as everyone else. And yeah, so everyone else is, is falling back and he, another spectacular person to watch. And, you know, he, he, has, he has his fast twitch muscles uh, and with training, he became, you know, still has records. That I don't see them breaking any records anytime soon <laughs> with all of his records anytime soon. So. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that, that that's all that's all I, I I could share on that at this point. But there's you know there, there is a lot of research that goes into helping athletes maintain these, these different types of muscle. And uh, you know a lot of athletes now perform better for longer in their career because they uh, they're training in the right way. You know, uh, you know, and for example. Uh, well, football players in particular, they do a lot of fast twitch work now and do a lot of training that they probably wouldn't have done before, a lot of reaction training that you know, wasn't a key part of the, the sport or the sports trainings before. Mm -hmm. And that helps them remain sharp and quick much later in their career. A 30-year-old football player in the 70s is an old man, but now you're still in the primary career. So, you know. Fountain of Youth, it kind of draws back to that as well. How training can, can really help you perform well into, you know, your forties. You know, people play about him. Uh, Vince Carter was playing basketball and he was forty-three. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, what would you say is the best way to go about building muscle and supplement? The supplement market is a huge industry. Um, I would say millions, millions of dollars, you know, are poured into it, poured into the market and also getting athletes involved in it in terms of endorsements. How important would you say that supplements are in terms of building muscles as well as what um, could the average person do in order to build muscle? So... 
I'm a big believer in natural is better. Uh, and I say that because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we are just harnessing the body's natural ability to regenerate, to build muscle in response to uh, you know, the activity we do daily. And if that daily activity involves weight training, you'll see muscle growth. So I say all of that to say that, you know, if, if you like pouring money down the drain, buy a lot of supplements. Uh, no, do supplements have a benefit? Yes, especially if you def you're deficient in, in certain nutrients or if your diet isn't giving you enough. And, you know, to be honest, mo if most of us are honest with ourselves, we don't have a nutritious enough diet. Correct. To, to, to supply us with all the vitamins and minerals we need in the right proportions. My only objection to supplements is that a lot of times it's either too much of that particular nutrient, it's in a form that is not easily absorbed and hence would not get into your body anyway. And using the metaphor, it goes down the drain because it, it leaves you, it just doesn't go into your body. And lastly, you know, Supplements could be as a kind of a loose term. Sometimes a lot of these things are stimulants. And I especially suggest that, you know, people avoid anything that's meant to keep you alert or, you know, is meant to pump you up. And, you know, you see the advertising saying, yeah, you're going to get huge if you take this, you know. Yeah. Some of them are actually just steroids uh, and things like that. So the vitamins, A, you know, A through K, get your calcium, get your protein. Now that, that's a key thing there because, you know, we tend to not get enough of vitamins and protein in our diets. And don't, don't try to get your protein from fried chicken. You don't want to get your protein from fried chicken. So if, if you, know, you supplement your diet, you have like a nice protein shake uh, with fruits or whatever to get yourself the natural sugars is all because our bodies are built to absorb nutrients from natural things. And so it doesn't hurt. Now there's some herbal supplements that are pretty good as well. Uh, but I personally only take what I am missing. So particularly people of African-American descent, especially if you're living in the U S where the days are shorter, you'll have a vitamin D deficiency because we don't produce as much vitamin D in our bodies as say someone of a lighter complexion. You okay. see that there, there's a genetic give and take there, right? Because, you know, we, we are adapted for sunny places. Uh, and one of the things that vitamin D does is that it, it helps strengthen bones, teeth. It also helps with your mood. So, you know, people say they hate winter probably because they're depressed and the vitamin D levels have dropped. Uh, so I, you know, I take vitamin D supplements uh, cardiovascular health problems is typical for, for African-Americans as well, as such as high blood pressure, et cetera, which both can be dealt with with exercise. But in addition to that, you know, you want to take healthy triglycerides and things like that to get the good fats into your body and avoid the bad ones. Uh, so, I mean, I think the key thing is you take supplements, as the name implies, to supplement you know, <laughs> your diet, Correct. not to... Not to give you some superpower. It can give you something that you, you, you don't have and that you're not, uh, if you're not taking care of yourself properly. And so, you know, a lot of it is good marketing. I mean, it's a multi trillion dollar industry you know, when, you, when you sum it, sum it all up. Uh, and I don't want to get in the way of anybody making a buck, but as, as a person trying to 
try to make it and trying to, to live a better lifestyle. You don't need it. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of athletes now that pretty much just have a plant-based diet, you know, and they get enough nutrition to, to be successful. And you talk about NFL athletes. So, you know, you and I could easily get away with eating enough fruits and vegetables and uh, taking vitamins if we need it. Yeah. And you said something, you know, supplements basically is just that a supplement. So if you're mm-hmm. able to really dial in on your nutrition and get your servings of veggies, um, get a serving of fruit, drink enough water, get protein, you're now able to look and see what's missing and then probably supplement it if you need to. All right. Um, so we're about wrapping up. Um, what are there any type of specific foods you, you would recommend to anyone who wants to build muscle? That's a good question. And it, it might surprise most, I would say, uh, beans, you know, uh, no, you know, we like, we like peas and beans in the Caribbean, probably Correct. too much, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, chickpeas, red beans, you know, all of those are a really good source of protein. They're also a good source of carbs as well. But I would say, you know, take away some of the rice and have more beans. Uh, okay. And, you know, but overall, I think the key thing is if your plate not colorful, you're not going to have a colorful life. You know, yeah. if you're all you're seeing is brown and green and gray and, and white and white <laughs> rice. Yeah. yeah. Something, uh, Shovel your rice out of your plate and put some salad in there. You know, just just give yourself the diversity. It has so many fruits and vegetables in the world that you can try. Why limit yourself? You know. Correct. Correct. Um, so we're just about done. We're just about wrapping up. Um, you've said a lot. I myself have learned so many different things. You know, just sitting down here lis- listening to you speak, and I definitely would be re-listening. To this episode to learn and reinforce and remember you know some of the things you spoke about so before we go do you have any pattern words you want to leave um, with the listening audience if you were to sum up anything maybe you would have said earlier what would you leave someone with so I'll kind of I'll leave with an additional fact because so if your goals are to lose weight or what or whatever and to look better, one of the things and you know you decide to give up on your journey, you refer to one of your clients that given up on losing weight. I would say remember that in addition to being such an amazing organ that's able to replenish itself, it is also very important for your health. So, you know, in a you. People who have cancer and have high muscle mass live longer. People who have kidney failure and have high muscle mass live longer. So, and the science behind it is very strong. So you're preparing yourself for the type of body you want, but you're also protecting yourself from the things that can happen, you know? So being in your best shape, being in your best health is not just a vanity thing. It is going to save your life when situation, you know, circumstances out of your control change the trajectory of your life. And I think it's important to remember that staying in the best of shapes and in the best of health 
is also a shield. It's not just a sword, it's a shield. And it's important to focus on, on building it and thinking about it that way. Wow. So there you've had it, folks. I know I'm going to have to really listen to this multiple times. Um, but as you said, you know, just given that additional insight in terms of building muscle and how even if you have some type of ailment, just having muscle would actually help you to combat it or still live a good quality of life. So I really thank you, um, Dr. Colin, for being on. It really was a pleasure. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me, man. I was very, very happy to, to, to talk now and, and, and in the future. You know, yeah. We could use this conversation in the future. I'll be more than glad to. Yes. And three quick things before we wrap up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share this episode. And if you'd like to join a growing online fitness community, you can become a part of my Facebook group and follow me on Instagram. Lastly, subscribe to my blog and get a free copy of my ebook, Seven Steps to Actually Crush Your Fitness Goals. My goal is to help transform you using a change mindset, good nutrition, and effective exercise without sacrificing your time and helping you to stay consistent. Talk to you soon.